0: Welcome to Her Story Sessions. I'm Brittany, a woman on a mission to learn more about women throughout history and to share it all with you. If you like this show, be sure to follow me. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Her Story Session and can be emailed at her story sessions podcast at gmail.com. For all its fame, the Palace of Versailles was home to just three queens of France before the French Revolution. Funnily enough, they were all named Marie and were married to a King Louis. So let's learn about these Marie's, where they came from, and their lives at the French royal court. The first queen that came to live at Versailles was Maria Theresa of Spain, known as Marie-Therese d'Autriche in French. She was born September the 10th, 1638, at the Royal Monastery of El Escorial. The daughter of King Philip IV and Elizabeth of France, she held the title of Infanta at birth, a title given to the children of the King of Spain. She also had the title Archduchess of Austria as a member of the House of Habsburg, also referred to as the House of Austria. Her mother died when she was just six, although she was raised by the royal governess Luisa de Magdalena de Jesus. In Spain, female children could take the throne if there were no male children, so when her older brother Balthasar Charles died in 1646, she became the heir for 11 years, until 1657 when her brother Philip Prospero was born. But he also died young, at just four on November 1st, 1661, and Maria Teresa became heir again, but only for five days this time, when Charles II was born on November 6th. Spain and France were at war during the 1650s, and as the war stretched on and both countries wanted out, they began to negotiate for peace. Part of the negotiations was a marriage between Maria Theresa and her first cousin Louis XIV. These were long and complicated, though, as, at the time, she was the heir apparent to Spain. The French wanted her to renounce her claim to the Spanish throne as part of the deal, and her children would have no claim either. The Spanish, unwilling to do so, procrastinated on answering, so France's Prime Minister, Cardinal Mazarin, sought a marriage agreement with Margaret Yolande of Savoy, an Italian princess. When King Philip heard this, he sent a special envoy to the French court for the negotiations. Eventually, it was agreed that Maria Theresa would have to give up any claim to the Spanish throne, but only if a dowry of 500,000 crowns was paid. But Spain was bankrupt after years of war, and France never got these funds. The two were married on June of 1660, when they were both 22 years old, and Maria Theresa went to France to become queen. They went to Paris, where the court was currently held, as Versailles at the time was just a royal hunting lodge that had been used by her husband's father. Louis was devoted and faithful to his wife for one year. After that, he took on a string of mistresses, something that deeply hurt Maria Theresa. at first. She became good friends with her mother-in-law, who was a devout Christian like her and had no interest in politics, literature, or art. Some saw her as an unfit queen for neglecting her royal duties to ruling. She struggled with differences in the French court from the traditional Spanish court she grew up in. She also never fully mastered the French language and was ridiculed behind her back. She spent much of her free time playing cards and gambling. But in 1661, she fulfilled the most important duty of a queen and gave birth to a son, the Grand Dauphine Louis, whom she was very protective of and was greatly involved in his upbringing and education. She would have six children in total, but only the Grand Dauphine would live to adulthood. Maria Theresa would see Versailles for the first time in 1660 during the first year of their marriage. The first building campaign to turn it into a palace and the center of the court would be in 1664, and building lasted for four years. In 1667, the king went to war to try to claim the Spanish Netherlands in his wife's name, claiming that since her dowry was never paid, she did not have to renounce her claim to the throne. She would act as his regent that year while he was away on the campaign. Over time, she began to tolerate the king's affairs. While the king mostly left the queen alone, he would reprimand his longtime mistress, the Marquis de Montespan, when her behavior at court was too disrespectful of the queen. In the end of July 1683, the queen fell ill from an an abscess on her arm. As it got worse, the king arranged for sacraments to be kept close by. Her last few days were painful, and she passed away at Versailles on July 30, 1683, when she was just 44. She was buried at the Basilica de Saint-Denis in Paris. During the French Revolution, the royal tombs here were destroyed. Marie Lyszynska was a more popular queen among the people. She was the daughter of Polish King Stanislaus I of Lyszynski and his wife Catherine Opolinska and was born June 23, 1703, a year before her father was made king of Poland. In 1709, her father was deposed, and the family was granted refuge in Sweden by King Charles XII. There, they were welcomed by the Queen Dowager and became popular members of society. Marie Lizinska would start speaking Swedish here, although she kept her accent. Once she was the French queen, she was known to welcome Swedish ambassadors with the phrase, Welcome, dearest heart, in Swedish. King Charles granted them permission to live in Zweibrucken, his fiefdom in the Holy Roman Empire, and they lived here until the king's death four years later. The land then passed to his cousin, and they reached out to the Duke of Orleans, the regent of France, and the Duke of Lorraine. They were allowed to settle in Weissenburg and granted a small, irregular stipend. They lived in a large townhouse, leading a very modest life for noble standards. Originally, the teenage French king was engaged to the Spanish Infantata, but she was just a child and a marriage between the two would be far off. It was decided that a new bride needed to be found for the king. It took some time, but Marie Lazinska, who was seven years older than the king, was eventually decided on because she was a Catholic and had no political alliances to complicate matters. A formal proposal was made in April of 1725, but wasn't received well publicly. The court saw her as a poor upstart, and the general population was disappointed that the nation would not have any financial gain or new alliances from the marriage. Nevertheless, a marriage by proxy took place in August of 1725, and the two met and had a wedding ceremony in September, and she would eventually win over everyone to become a loved queen. He was 15, and she was 22 when they married. Their relationship was regarded as happy at first, and the king was faithful to her for the first eight years of their marriage. They had ten children together, only two of which were sons. Her firstborns were twin girls, Louise Elizabeth and Anne Henriette, and the king was delighted, but it was not the heir that everyone was hoping for. Cardinal Fleury, the king's chief minister, was so displeased that he ordered the queen to stay at Versailles and not accompany the king on any trips until she had a son. A year later, she had another daughter, Marie-Louise. Finally, the Dauphin-Louis was born on September 1729. Of her ten children, three died in their childhoods, two girls and one boy later on, leaving only the current Dauphin as the potential heir to the throne. This many pregnancies had an effect on her, and after the birth of her youngest in 1737, which nearly killed her, doctors advised that another pregnancy would end her life. From then on, she barred the king from entering her bedroom. Regarded as a role model of, of virtue, even by her children, although she did not show them much affection, her interactions with them were mostly only at ceremonial activities. She oversaw the moral and religious education of her son, making sure he was raised in a manner that would see him fit for the throne one day. Her daughters, referred to as the madames, complained of her coolness and distance, in contrast with the king— who was seen as an affectionate and attentive father. Queen Marie Leszinska was reportedly shy and timid around King Louis, seeing it as her duty to show him grateful reverence. Louis started taking on mistresses in 1733, and at first, Louise-Julie de Mali was kept a secret for the first four years and was only referred to as the fair unknown. The queen knew there was a mistress, but didn't know who it was and was unhappy about this. She tried, unsuccessfully, to find out who it was for the first few years, until becoming resigned to it. After she barred the king from her bed, though, his mistress's position was made official, and Louise Julie became the favorite at court. The king and queen continued performing ceremonial duties together, but that was all. In 1745, Madame de Pompadour arrived at court and became the new official mistress of the king. She had a lot of influence over court, somewhat eclipsing the queen. Compared to the other mistresses, though, Marie Lizinska and Madame de Pompadour had a cordial relationship, and Madame de Pompadour always treated the queen with deference and respect, although the queen did try, unsuccessfully, to oppose her being appointed as a lady-in-waiting. Marie Lizinska stayed out of politics and instead focused on helping the needy and the poor by raising private donations for her charities, which made her popular with the public. She would also patron artists and scholars. She was a pious woman and rejected any vanity treatments and the pomp and circumstance of the French court. She was seen as a woman that carried herself with great dignity and modesty and strictly adhered to court etiquette, winning the respect of the nobility at court. In 1765, her son, Dauphie Louis, passed away, and the next year she lost her father, and in another year, her son's second wife, Maria Josepha, with whom she had become good friends, also passed away on june twenty fourth seventeen sixty eight at the age of sixty five Marie Lazinska herself passed away. She was buried at the Basilica Saint Denis and her heart was entombed at the Notre Dame de Montsecour in Nancy next to her parents. The last queen to live at Versailles before the French Revolution is probably the most iconic one. Known as Marie Antoinette in France, she was born Maria Antonia Josepha Johanna on November 2nd, 1755 and was the 15th of 16 children born to the Habsburg Empress Maria Theresa and the Holy Roman Emperor Francis I. She also had the title of Archduchess of Austria upon birth. She was privately tutored, as this was the custom for royal children, but she did not do well, and at 10, she could barely read and write in German her native language, and also struggled with French and Italian. In 1768, when she became betrothed to Louis XVI, the future king of France, Abbe de Vermande was sent by Louis XV to tutor her. He found her lacking in important writing skills, stating she is rather lazy and extremely frivolous. She is hard to teach but he also complimented her, stating her character, her heart, are excellent. And he found her more intelligent than has been generally supposed. She was a good musician, though. She learned to play the harp, harpsichord, and the flute, and was an excellent singer and dancer. Marie Antoinette's marriage to Louis XVI was a political arrangement to bring peace and an alliance between the two countries. They were married by proxy in April of 1770, and they met for the first time in May with a wedding ceremony taking place on May 16th. Marie Antoinette was 14 and Louis was 15. Although their wedding day ended with a ritual bedding, the couple placed into bed together by the wedding attendants, their marriage was not actually consummated for seven years. Their long-time failure to do so and produce any children plagued both of their reputations for years. Marie Antoinette and her mother would regularly write each other, and her letters show that she was very homesick during the early years in France. She did not adjust well to French court, where everything was done ceremoniously and she was always attended to, although she would come to love socializing and staying up late throwing parties. Her mother would give her advice or admonish her for her bad behavior at court and to impress upon her the importance of her marital duties. In 1774, Maria Antoinette was just 19 when King Louis XV passed away and she and her husband took the throne. The newly crowned King Louis XVI gifted his queen the Petit Trianon which had been built for Madame de Pompadour and allowed her to renovate it. She would expand on this creating a tiny cottage village-like retreat. She spent heavily gambling, throwing parties, buying fashionable large dresses, expensive jewelry, and paying for extravagant hairstyles and wigs. Her mother would also write to her about her concern over how much she was spending while the country was in debt. Meanwhile, the French population was struggling to get by, and there were even riots over bread due to the massive flour shortage. Their people were starving, but the royal couple was showing off their extravagant lifestyle and became hated for it. Finally, three years after becoming king and queen, upon Marie Antoinette's mother's orders, her brother visited and had a conversation with the king. What exactly was said isn't known, but soon the couple finally consummated their marriage. In May 1778, it was confirmed that the queen was pregnant, and her daughter Marie-Therese Charlotte, nicknamed Madame Royale, was born in December. The Duffy Louis-Joseph Xavier-Francois was born 1781, followed by Louis Charles in 1785. She had a second daughter, Marie-Sophie Helene Beatrix, nicknamed Madame Sophie, in 1786, but she only lived 11 months. Two years after her baby passed away, her oldest son also died young, at 8 years old. She was an affectionate mother and very close to her children, and these were very painful losses for her. Marie Antoinette had become good friends with many of her male admirers, among several ladies at court, and in 2016, it was proven that Count Axel de Fersen was her lover. Her children's legitimacy was constantly questioned in political pamphlets. The fact that she had her own private retreat for her and her friends in the Petit Trianon led to rumors that she was hosting men there. As the royalty continued their lavish lifestyles, the people of France were becoming worse off than before. Marie Antoinette was especially disliked, with rumors that the foreign queen was draining the royal coffers, that she was unfaithful to her husband, and involved in several scandalous activities. She tried publishing propaganda showing her as a caring mother, and had a painting done by Elizabeth Vigie-Lebrun showing her and her children together. This did not help, though. Several more political blunders on both her and the king's part only made matters worse. Then the storming of the Bastille happened on July 14, 1789, and the French Revolution began. In October, tens of thousands of people gathered outside Versailles, shouting for the king and queen to be dragged back to Paris. The crowds did eventually capture them and marched them back to Paris, where they were kept under guard. While the king didn't seem to know what to do, Marie Antoinette wrote to other European officials, begging for help and meeting with ambassadors. Then, in 1891, she came up with a plan with her lover de Ferson's help to get the family out of France. But rather than using two small, inconspicuous carriages as suggested by a general, she demanded a large one instead. The carriage was spotted, and the king was recognized by a peasant. They were attacked and taken captive. They were allowed to go back to Paris, where the National Assembly allowed the king to still act in his role— but with the new constitution, he had no power. In 1792, Marie Antoinette and the king were taken prisoner and held in the medieval temple castle, and the French monarch was dissolved when a republic took its place. King Louis was executed in January of 1793, and Marie Antoinette went into mourning. She was moved to the Conciergerie, and in October, she was put on trial. Two days later, she was found guilty of depletion of the national s- treasury conspiracy against the internal and external security of the state, and high treason. She was executed on October 16, 1793, at just 37 years old. In 1850, her and the king's remains were ceremoniously placed in the crypt at the Abbey of Saint-Denis. Today, the Palace of Versailles is a huge tourist attraction, and the gardens surrounding it are beautiful. If you ever find yourself in Paris, I highly recommend a day trip to Versailles. That's all for today, and thank you for attending this Her Story session.